Hello and welcome to episode number 491 of Holy Crap It's Sports for a cloudy Friday, but still a nice day at the Sandy Springs Podcast Center in Laundromat. Welcome, I'm Pete Davis, your host for the entire show, I hope, God willing. And uh, we got lots to talk about today. What happened last night with Tua, the Braves Mets series begins tonight. We got some college football news for you, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, let's start with the minutes. Could you read the minutes, please? Thank you. I will. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, Pete Davis One. If you want to write me a letter, manifesto request, Pete Davis One at yahoo.com. If you'd like a t shirt, farmhouseprintingco.com. Holy crap at sports, Kimmer Show t shirts, whatever you want. They'll print it up for you right here in Sonoya, Georgia. Eric and the guys and the girls do a great job down there at farmhouseprintingco.com and if you love the show you like the show you're kind of fond of it and you like to hear it keep going uh, just go to patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n and look up holy crap sports and uh, just a few bucks a month whatever you can spare whatever change you got laying around we appreciate it headlines for friday september 30th of 2022 braves and mets the division comes down to just three games and maybe a few games after that, too, but we'll see. Uh, the Freeze has a big race of his own, if you know what the Freeze is. Someone's lying. Either the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, or their team doctor, or the so-called independent doctor, or the NFL itself. But Tua Tagovailoa had no business being back in the game last Sunday against the Bills, and he definitely had no business being on that field in Cincinnati last night. An injury slows down Falcons running back Corderell Patterson, Hurricane Ian and how it's affecting sports. What does Nick Saban think about the expanded playoffs? ESPN's Ryan McGee's bottom 10 teams of college football. And Ole Miss, definitely not in the bottom 10, gets a new look that catches the eye of Larry the Cable Guy. You can hate on 76ers center Joel Embiid all you want when he plays the Hawks, but you'll look at him in a different light when you hear this about him. I'll tell you very soon. Coming up in... Holy crap, it's sports. Forgot the name of the show for a second. Uh, Pete's tweets this day in sports history. Got birthdays, all kinds of good stuff. So let's get to it. Of course, our thoughts and prayers go out to the people of Florida in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. And of course, uh, the coast of Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina next. Hopefully, all politics are laid aside and they'll get the help they need. Of course, politics has already been bandied about, but that's the way it is i spoke or texted with shannon burke who lives and works down in orlando now said his house is fine but their work is kind of messed up his swimming pool area looks like a teenage party was held there by the way everything's turned over i kept expecting to see a gator or manatee in the pool and of course here in atlanta we dodged the bullet on en just a little blustery wind yesterday and the big series between the bravos and the mets will go on as scheduled i was out driving around earlier at the kimmer show and uh it's a little misty out there but uh, it doesn't look like it'll be a big problem uh, there was no need to move it uh, anywhere else or play double headers or start the games on Thursday, which was yesterday. All of those items the Mets seemed to want to do, but the Braves held fast and proved to be right so far. So let's play the games. But the big story overnight was the NFL. Before we get into that, what are we drinking today? Let's think about this. <clears throat> How about some straight up moonshine? Why not? We need to be drinking. Anyway, no, no, let's drink a hurricane. Let's pretend we're at Pat O'Brien's in New Orleans in the French Quarter and we'll drink a hurricane. They're not, not bad drinks. I make a better one, but not bad drinks at all. I still got the glass uh, from St. Patty's Day down there. Anyway, this is the year 2022. After years of lying about how careful they now are about concussions, uh, the NFL allowed an obviously concussed quarterback to not only return to a game last Sunday, 
but played last night where he was seriously injured yet again. If this is a second concussion, it's his second in four days, people have died from that. His fingers curled up like a three-day-old corpse. It was horrible to look at. It didn't even look like a huge hit of his head on the turf, but it did get whipped around. Uh, but they're never as bad on TV as they are in person, believe me. Someone has lied. Either it's a head coach, a squirrely little shrimp, Mike McDaniel, who said in his post-game news conference last night that he's glad this all worked out in the end. Worked out? How did this work out, Mikey? Because uh, he's still alive? Your quarterback is likely out for the season, if not forever. Maybe it was the doctor who lied or the so-called independent neurologist who lied and said it was just a back injury. Bullshit. As former Falcon Brian Fennerin and others have tweeted, heads are going to have to roll at the NFL level. Fox broadcaster Will Kane says something is rotten here. I'm going to read you some of the reactions around the league from former and current players and fans and coaches coming up in Pete's tweets. We'll get a lot of that for you. In fact, let's do one right now. I've actually got a little sound from a coach here. Let me get his uh, stuff together here for you, and we'll play it. All right, this guy's name is Coach Jason Brown. I think he's connected with the Last Chance U thing that's on ESPN and everything. But what we'll do is I'll pull him up and set it to the beginning here and then turn it on. That's right, turn it up. All right, here, here we go. To be real, the whole, the whole entire Miami Dolphin organization should be fired. Owner, everybody. The NFL should be fined by an outside agency. Roger Goodell and the NFL player protocol safety protection bullshit should be fucking fired and fined to the utmost limit of the law. That's a fucking travesty what just happened right now. And you'll be lucky if this motherfucker don't have traumatic long-term effects. <clears throat> and we want to protect the players by taking out kickoff and all this bullshit. But you can't fucking recognize the difference between a back injury and what happened last week. Like, we're a bunch of fucking tards. And we don't understand that his head rocked off the ground last week. And you want to cover it up? Don't ever talk about the New England Patriots, motherfucker. This organization right here after Flores and now this is as shady as it come. Real talk. Somebody needs to say it. Stop with that pussy ass hiding around behind the back shit. Tua just got fucked by your organization and the league. Real talk. Share this shit. All right. Well, I did. I should have warned you. Sorry about that going into it. I forgot it was as blue as it was. But uh, he speaks. Uh, I think he speaks the truth. And by the way. I have good friends who are Dolphins fans. I, I've always liked the Dolphins since Bob Greasy, Paul Warfield, Larry Zonka, Jim Kick days. I was a kid, and they were perfect that year. And they were great uniforms, an exciting city. It was a southern city, at least a little bit. And it was winning, and uh, winning in the NFL. And it was exciting to watch. They were a fun team to watch. Grinded it out a little bit, a lot too much at times. But still, they were a fun team to watch. The no-name defense, and Bonacani and all those guys, and Jake Scott and all those guys. I'm telling you, I've always liked the Dolphins, so I, I'm not hating on the Dolphins, but this guy's got a point. After the owner problems, after the Brian uh, Flores troubles, which he brought some of it on himself, and now this, somebody's got to seriously get a hold of the Miami Dolphins. And I think part of the problem is that squirrely little greasy little shit coach of theirs who looks like he's been dipped in brill cream. I think there's something really off about that guy. I don't know what it is. He just gave, long before this happened, the first time I ever saw him, he just looks creepy. 
and frankly, he gives me the heebie-jeebies and all, all this mumbling about it's not, you know, uh, I don't have the patience to, uh, you know, to put up with the, one of my players, you know, being put in harm's way. Bullshit. You did it Sunday and you did it again last night. That's my opinion. We welcome yours. All right. What else we got here? Uh, and why did Tua have to fly back with a team to Miami last night? What was the damn hurry? Why can't he be observed in a hospital in Cincinnati overnight? If I'm their family, if I'm the Tagovailoa family and they're very close, I'm by their that bedside and I'm telling the Dolphins and the NFL, get the fuck out of here. This, this son of ours is going to stay here and be watched by the doctors and we'll get him back to Miami sometime tomorrow when the doctors say it's okay. The last thing you want to do with a concussion and your head is splitting open is climb into a pressurized cabin for a few hours right after it happens. It was all rushed. The whole thing stinks to high heaven. The league has a lot to answer for, but you know how that always works out. Money is spread around. The waters get awful quiet, awful quick, in my opinion. Well, I think this is different, and I mentioned this on the Kimmer Show. Uh, even ESPN attacked the NFL this morning, okay? I'll get up. Stephen A says someone's got to be fired on the NFL level on his show. Uh, this is a seminal moment for the NFL. We may look back on that injury last night and see that the NFL and all football changed, maybe not even for the better. This is If something doesn't happen, if someone's not held accountable for this, if he never can play again, and we'll see what happens with him, hopefully he will be able to come back. He's, he's a talented uh, young player. But I'm telling you, if he can't come back or something else happens here, this not only could change how the NFL handles stuff, this could change things on the youth league and high school level because as one of the uh, Ninkovich or whatever, Rob Ninkovich, I think is his name, former Patriot and everything, he quit at 32 because of concussions and said he was worried about uh, what would happen with the kids and his family later. They'd have to take care of him. And, and he pretty much said it. This, this, is, this has got to change. And this could be the beginning of the end of a lot of stuff that goes on in the NFL about certain hits or certain things. They're going to have to all put on better helmets, first of all. Those helmets they use in practice and everything like that, don't be surprised if in a year or two you see bigger helmets, almost like they're blowing them up in, with air mattresses and stuff like that. But uh, I think there's a lot of smoke here and a lot of fire. And if the NFL doesn't change things and guys keep getting hurt like this, and the, and the Players Association is finally standing up, I think what you're going to have here is you'll have Congress or state legislatures step in, which we don't want to happen because they always muck things up even worse. But you could have this affecting youth leagues and high school and college football. And as Nikovich said, I think that's his and if I mispronounce his name, I apologize. He was saying, you look at that and you say, I don't want my son playing football when you see stuff like that. And we've been preached on. We know the NFL lied for decades about the CTE and the concussion studies and all that stuff. You know, in my opinion, they underpaid the former players. They, as Ditka has been very outspoken about this, how they've been cheap as hell. This is the biggest money-making sports organization in the world, and it continues to just be cheap-ass when it comes to just about everything that they put out there. And uh, this is just my opinion, uh, like I said. In other NFL news, Falcons running back Corderell Patterson missed practice again yesterday. He's got a sore knee. He's listed as questionable for the game against the Browns this weekend. Miles Garrett, we still don't know if he's going to play. Gosh, did you see his Porsche? First of all, I wept. It's a 2021, almost brand new, 911 Turbo S or something like that. Holy cow. He was going 65 and a 45, which doesn't, you know, it's 20 miles over the limit. 
And if, as a rear engine car, believe me, you can uh, fishtail and lose control pretty quick. He claimed something ran out in front of him, an animal, and he swerved. That could, that could have happened but he was still going 20 miles over the speed limit, so they cited him for that. Fortunately, he and his uh, girlfriend or whoever was in the car with him, uh, his side, whatever you want to call it, friend, uh, uh, walked away with um, some bruises and a messed up little shoulder, so we don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. Boy, that would help the, the Falcons if they don't. But that, that Porsche saved their life because you look at it, and it's pretty banged up, but the cockpit is intact. So outside of maybe you're banging your head up on the ceiling a little bit, which you probably would do anyway. It's not that lot of room inside there, especially for a big guy like him. But I'm telling you, and that may help too, because a big guy like him and a small car, sports car like that, there's not a lot of room to bounce around. You're pretty much ensconced in that seat. And so, and, and I'm glad that she got out too, because usually the passenger gets the worst of it because they're bouncing around more. They're not holding on to a steering wheel. Anyway, this is all stuff you know, so sorry. Uh, the Chiefs-Buccaneers game is going to go ahead as scheduled down in Tampa on Sunday. Uh, they thought about moving it, but they won't. And some people say they're upset with the uh, mayor of Tampa for doing this, but I don't know. Uh, don't forget there's an early Sunday morning game in London this week between the Vikings and the Saints. Go Vikes. Let's hope that goes well as we take a sip of our hurricane. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, Major League Baseball now. Let's get to it. The Braves and Mets begin their big three-game set in Truist Park tonight on Friday. The Braves begin one game behind the Metropolitans, who are still without Starling Marte. He's got a busted-up finger, same as Ozzie Albies. And what a pitching matchup tonight. Jacob deGrom has been moved up. Max Freed for the Braves. Let's see if an extra day of rest for Max gives him the edge. Uh, New York has caught up a 20-year-old catcher named Francisco Alvarez, who some say is the best prospect in all of baseball. Some say he's number four, so we'll see what goes on there. By the way, the Braves need to score some runs for Max. They have not been doing that too much for him lately. They've been leaving him out to dry. And it's interesting. I was listening to uh, Chris Domino and Nick Cellini driving back from the Kimmer show, and they were talking about how you really should win the division now that you're here in your grasp because you get days off, you can set up your thing. If they don't, if they have to play the wild card thing, it's probably they're going to be the Padres who are a pain in the ass. And that means you're going to play like eight games in 10 days, and that's not good. You're going to be tired from the, the division race all year, and then you're going to be playing eight games in 10 games. Uh, that could get very ugly. So it's going to be hard to repeat this year if, if they don't win the division, but they've got it right in front of them. Uh, that's not the only race uh, being held this weekend. The, the freeze uh, is challenging fans and has challenged somebody. He's challenged, it looks like uh, the guy's name is, I forget his first name, Curran. He's a former Georgia Bulldog, and he played uh, for them, a linebacker, I believe, and he will be, he was challenged, and so he has challenged the freeze back, and they will be racing Saturday sometime. Reggie Curran, I'm, I'm forgetting his first name. Sorry about that. Anyway, what else we got going here? I feel like uh, Chris Russo forgetting everything today. Uh, the Phillies are now 3-10 and 10 in their last 13 games. Another September swoon as they try to make the playoffs. Uh, that guy, Brandon Marsh, who dropped a fly ball against the Braves last week, did it again against the Cubs yesterday. The guy cannot play in the sunshine, obviously, is what's going on. Uh, 
More college football. Hurricane Ian was the reason the South Carolina State-South Carolina game in Columbia was moved up to last night. Gamecocks won very easily as expected. The Rebels earlier this week unveiled alternate helmets and uniforms ahead of the game against Kentucky. I'm not happy with the white-colored helmets. I love the blue, but whatever. Uh, Ole Miss will be wearing powder blue tops with white lettering on top of white pants. Topped off with the white and blue camo helmets courtesy of Realtree. I don't know what real tree is, but uh, his founder is Bill Jordan, an Ole Miss alumnus, and was on the team and played with Archie Manning. So, uh, Lane Kiffin, the coach, responded uh, with a laughing and crying emoji as comedian Larry the Cable Guy had a comment about Lane at the lectern wearing the camo outfit top. Larry said, is it just me or in this interview, it looks like Lane Kiffin just missed qualifying to race in the Coca-Cola 400 in the Ole Miss Sports.com Chevy Camaro. <laughs> and he does. He looks like he's wearing the background and the, and the, the jersey kind of makes him look like he's a NASCAR driver. It's pretty funny. Uh, either that or he just landed uh, in his uh, mothership from the planet Zars. He literally looks like the uh, the outfit that was being worn in the day the earth stood still. Not the remake, which was okay, but the great special effects. The first one, the day the earth stood still with Michael Rennie when he came out in that silver suit. That's kind of what Lane Kiffin looked like yesterday. Let's see if I can remember. Klatu Barata Nikto. Klatu Barada Nikto, I think, is was the uh, message to send to the robot to have him start killing everybody. I think is one of those things. Uh, some of you might remember back in was it the was it the eighties? There was a band called Klatu Canada Canada or something, and the rumor got started that the Beatles had gotten back together. So I guess it was the seventies, late seventies. And I remember picking up the album at Kmart and looking at it and putting it back down going, that can't be true. But there were people playing it on the radio saying, these are the Beatles. They've gotten back together with, under a new name. Uh, no, I'm going to throw the BS flag on that one. Meanwhile, Bama coach Nick Saban was asked his opinion on the proposed expanded playoff system. And he replied, quote, you could be a Southern team in our conference, including us, having to go to Wisconsin to play in December or January, which would be totally different. But that's how they do it in the NFL, end quote. His point being that college football is now going to be like the NFL. All right, let's look at Ryan McGee of ESPN has put together a list of the top, the bottom 10 worst college football teams. So let's start with number, let's see if I can find it here. Uh, number 10. No, no, let's start with number one. Colorado State is 0-4. Uh, the Rams extended their FBS worst losing streak to 10 games with a 41-10 loss at home to Sacramento State. For the FCS Hornets of the Big Sky Conference, it marked just their second win over an FBS program in 25 games. So who's number two on their list? This poor state, Colorado, 0-4. Meanwhile, the Buffs also ralphied up their fourth loss of the year, spurring state officials to explore putting together a last-minute edition of the Rocky Mountain Showdown, which is not being played this season. However, instead of holding the contest inside Empower Field, home of the Broncos, it would be played next door in the parking lot where Mile High Stadium used to be. Number three worst uh, team is Hawaii. They're 1-4. The Warriors lost the pillow fight of the week 
Episode 1 at New Mexico State, 45-26. to 26. Now, no offense to San Diego State and Nevada, but our eyes are already on Hawaii's October 22nd trip to Colorado State. We tried to get a hotel room in Fort Collins for that weekend, but it's all booked up, assuming that's college game day planning ahead. Uh, number four worst team, UMass, or as he calls it, UMess. They're one in three. The Minutemen edged out by Temple of Doom in the Pillow Fight of the Week part due, 28 to nothing. Now they face the Eastern Michigan Emus, that's right, who just lost to the team that was ranked ninth in last year's bottom 10, the Buffalo Bulls, 50 to 31. Speaking of Indiana Jones references, uh, number five worst team, Ark of We Lost to the Raiders. If we played a team with a chromatic version of the Raiders as their mascot, you were doomed. Even if you were ranked in the top 25 amid broken record cries of their back, the Miami Hurricanes were stunned by the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders 45-31, and the Texas Longhorns fell to the Texas Tech Red Raiders 37-34. Elsewhere, the Mountain Union Purple Raiders defeated Muskingum 59-0, while the Rutgers Newark Scarlet Raiders don't have football. Their football team beat Stockton 3-1. to Yeah, there's a Rutgers-Newark team as opposed to just the Rutgers team. Number six worst college football team uh, is uh, UConn, or you can't. A week after surrendering five touchdown runs to Michigan's Blake Corum, the Huskies olayed four TD passes from NC State's Devin Leary. Number seven, Akron, one and three. After suffering smackdowns to ranked Power 5 opponents Michigan State and Tennessee, the Zips pulled within two points against Liberty before falling short 21-12. Akron will now host Bowling Green in a Maction East throwdown of 1-3 teams. Number 8 on the list is Ball State at 1-3. The House of Cards hosts the Northern Illinois Huskies in another clash of 1-3 Maction squads in the West. If Ball State loses, it would move on to meet another current 1-3 MAC team in Central Michigan, followed by another set of Huskies in Yukon, followed by bottom five waiting list member Eastern Michigan, and then Kent State, who are also 1-3. Nobody can keep up with all of this. You can just assume that any MAC team you see right now is 1-3 because eight of its dozen teams are, and the other four are just 2-2. Two and two. <laughs> The MAC is usually entertaining, and usually there's one team that stands out, not to the moon. Number nine is New Mexico State. They're one in four. Uh, that's pretty much all we need to say about that. And the tenth worst college football team. Gonna take a sip of the hurricane. Make you think this one over. If you're local, you know. Georgia Tech leaps over next door neighbor Georgia State to take over the place in the rankings at number 10, which was occupied by Nebraska two weeks ago and Arizona State one week ago. So it's been designated the we just fired our coach in September spot. We checked the bottom 10 rule book, and once we got the ketchup saturated pages pulled apart, it did say that a school that fires its coach after a weekend that begins in September but ends in October is still required to take this spot. Should such an occurrence take place next week, oddly enough, that old rule book with a sticky note saying, check this out, was delivered to us in a box postmarked Auburn, Alabama. This is Ryan McGee saying this, not me. Meanwhile, here's the waiting list of people waiting to get into the bottom 10. Georgia State, Northwestern, Fresno State, Arizona Skate, as he calls them, Charlotte, USF, BC, Nebraska, Louisiana Tech, FIU, Temple, Utah State, which lost last night to uh, BYU in the wagon, war wagon battle, whatever, and Arkansas State. That's it. NBA news. And this this is a nice story. 
Joel Embiid, love him or hate him, is an American citizen. Born in Cameroon in Africa, said Thursday he was sworn in as a citizen two weeks ago in Philadelphia. The NBA scoring champ and the 76ers all-star center said his family his, uh, and his Brazilian girlfriend, Ana de Paula, have a two-year-old son, which played a pivotal role in his decision. He said, I've been here a long time. My son is American. I felt like I'm living here, and it's a blessing to be an American, so I said, why not? The 28-year-old Embiid graduated from a Florida high school, played a season in college at Kansas before drafted number three overall in 2014. When asked who he is going to uh, you know, play for in international basketball, he says, hey, he's thinking about it. He, he hadn't decided who to play for. On this day, September 30th, uh, gosh, it does, it's some, uh, 1659, Peter Stuyvesant of New Netherlands, which later became New York, forbids tennis playing during religious services. This is the first mention of the game of tennis in the United States, 1659. Tennis was supposedly invented in Paris um, on an indoor court, which I believe is where the, the assembly met to form the Revolution Anyway, uh, 1939, in the first televised college football game, Fordham beat Waynesburg 34-7 at Randalls Island, New York. 1973, Mel Gray began his streak of 121 consecutive game catches. Mel Gray played for the St. Louis Cardinals. Him and Jim Hart, what a pair those were. Gosh, he had beautiful passes thrown to Mel Gray. Birthday, September 30th. Here's the 30th, yeah. 1911, Ed Donowski, football quarterback and halfback, won NFL championship in 1934 and 38 with the New York Giants, was a pro bowler in the 30s. Born in Jamesport, New York, he died in 1997. 1926, Robin Roberts, Hall of Fame pitcher, seven-time All-Star, won 28 straight games, complete games, from 1952 to 53 for the Phillies. Born in Springfield, Illinois, he died 12 years ago. 1932, Johnny Padres, a pitcher and a pitching coach, uh, was born, and he died in 2008. And in 1954, take a sip of the hurricane, because this, this is close to home, one of my favorite players as a ch- child, born in 1954, John Drew, came out of nowhere. Small forward, was an all-star in the 70s and 80s for the Hawks and the Jazz, born in Vredenburg, Alabama. He died earlier this year. John Drew came out, I think, Gardner-Webb or some small school that no one had really ever heard of. No one thought much of him, and he took the NBA by storm. He really was a great scorer, exciting to uh, watch. Had a lot of trouble in his life with stuff, uh, which has been chronicled and everything, and came back from that and overcame it and stuff like that. And it probably led to a premature death uh, because his body was worn out. Uh, for a large part of his life, but John Drew was fun to watch back in the 70s. Uh, September 30th, 1962, Dave Magadan was born, kind of a journeyman first baseman, Mets, Cubs, born in Tampa. And in 1972, Falcons running back, some say the greatest ever, I think uh, to me it's William Andrews, but hey, uh, Jamal Anderson was born. Uh, he came out of Utah, Utah State, I forget which, funny guy, even though he had some troubles too on and off the field. But uh, got us to a Super Bowl and uh, was a fun running back to watch. I'll tell you my Jamal Anderson story. I've told you before. I'll be quick. We're getting on the plane, and I think we're flying to Tokyo, I think. And they would walk by before the plane would take off on, on trips, and they'd take you know, five $10 bets about 
when we landed or something stupid like that. And for some reason, I didn't, uh, I don't think I had any $5 bills on me or anything. So Jamal Anderson comes by with the bucket. He goes, yeah, we're taking the $5 collection for the bet, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I, I can't do it today um, because I don't think I have uh, five bucks on me. And he just looked at me for a second. He goes, that wasn't a question. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, uh, and I start reaching for my wallet to see if I got five bucks. And he goes, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it was funnier than hell. Anyway, uh, let's see. Funny for me, I guess, at the time. Probably not so much for you. 1974, Jeremy Giambi was born, a player for the Royals, Athletics, and two other teams, born in San Jose. He died earlier this year. I think he committed suicide. 1975, Carlos Guillen, Venezuelan shortstop, three-time All-Star, played for the Mariners and the Tigers, born in Maracay, Aragua, Venezuela. 1980, Martina Ingus. I don't know if it was her forehead or what it was about her, but I kind of had the hots for her. She reminded me of Christina Ricci when she was younger. That, that forehead thing. I don't know what that is. Anyway, uh, Swiss tennis player, five Grand Slam singles titles, born in Kozic, Slovakia. 1981, Dominic Mosinu, uh, gymnast, won the Olympic gold here in Atlanta in 96. 1997, Max Verstappen, Belgian-Dutch all-eraser, who takes credit for being both Belgian and Dutch? Come on. We all know Belgium doesn't exist. He won the F1 World Drivers Championship last year, or did he? Some people say they played around with the rules a little bit. He was born in Hasselt, Belgium, so I'm going to tell you, Max, you're not Dutch, you're Belgian. Uh, whether you're a Walloon or a Flim, I have no idea. I'd rather be a Walloon because being called a Flim sounds disgusting. Uh, unfortunately, the Walloons are associated with the French. So there's that. Hmm. Dead people on September 30th, 2004. You got Justin Strelchik, uh, offensive tackle for the Steelers back in the 90s, died in a high-speed car crash while being pursued by the police. He was just 36. Autopsy revealed brain damage due to chronic concussion injuries. 2004, same day, Mildred McDaniel died. She was an American high jumper, won Olympic gold in 1956, which I believe was down in Melbourne, dead at the age of 70. We got a couple weddings on September 30th, 1989. Legend Larry Bird was 32 when he married his longtime girlfriend, Dinah Mattingly, in Terre Haute, Indiana. Alexa, who is Larry Bird married to? Larry Bird is married to Dinah Mattingly. They have been married since 1989 and have two children. Aw, that's nice. They're still married. Uh, in 2000, uh, tennis star Pete Sampras was 29 when he married actress and former Miss Teen USA. I'm going to have to look her up. Bridget Wilson, who was 27 in L.A. Alexa, who is Pete Sampras married to? Pete Sampras is married to Bridget Wilson. They have been married since 2000 and have two children. What are the odds of both of our weddings still being married together on the same day? That's kind of that's kind of rare there. All right, time for Pete's tweets. Pull up the phone here. Oh, here's the lineup card for the Braves tonight. Acuna will lead off in right. Then you got Swanson, uh, Michael Harris batting third again. Austin Riley clean up. Matt Olson uh, fifth. Uh, Darno is catching. And then you got Contreras at DH. Eddie Rosario in left field, and number nine, number nine is Orlando Arcia playing second base. All right, what else we got here? Da, 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 da. Let's go to the photos and find something here. Uh, 
Oh. All right. Roger Maris Jr. says, if Aaron Judge hits 62 homers, he should be celebrated as the single-season home run champ. Asked if he considers Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire illegitimate, Maris said, I do. I think most people do. That's Brian Hawk, uh, who covers the Yankees, tweeted that. I agree with Roger Maris Jr. Uh, let's see here. Brett Barney of Southside Steve's podcast and other sundry uh, items around town. Brett Barney sent me this note from NHL News Updates. NHL on TNT broadcast member Anson Carter is reportedly searching for investors for a team in Atlanta. Huh. And they got the logo of the Thrashers here. I don't want the Thrashers back, even though the name's available, I guess. I want the Flames back. I want somebody to show up and buy the Flames from Calgary and bring them back to Atlanta. I want them to build an arena somewhere north of the perimeter and uh, go from there and get somebody who knows what the blank they're doing. Hockey did not leave Atlanta because of lack of support. Hockey left Atlanta the first time because the owner was in trouble and the set and Calgary offered him the world. And the second time uh, was because the Thrashers had the worst management team and ownership group in the history of North American major league sports. And I will stick to that. I will argue and debate anybody who says otherwise worse than Donald Sterling, worse than uh, Spanos, both of which had San Diego ties, which is amazing. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, Edgar Thompson tweets that the Gators have allowed 64 plays of 10 yards or longer. That's more than any SEC team except Vanderbilt. Hmm. Uh, Barrett Sally, the Georgia Southern at Coastal Carolina game scheduled for 4 p.m. Eastern time Saturday, has been moved to a 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff because of impact, of course, from Ian. Uh, yesterday I was watching uh, somebody talk about grills, and they mentioned the word propane. And without even looking, I just said out loud, you mean propane and propane accessories? I immediately went to the king of the hill. And I went on Twitter and said, am I the only person who does this? I am not alone. I am not alone. Okay, what else we got here? I also, because I was telling you about the chess cheating thing on Wednesday, and I asked the question, the musical question, what's worse, a cheater or a quitter? And a 24-hour poll on Twitter came back. 67% of you say a cheater is worse than a quitter. 33% went with a quitter. Uh, I was flicking around last night between the games and stopped on the 30 on 30 ESPN about the Yankees-Dodgers uh, 1970s rivalry. It wasn't much of one. The Yankees beat them two years in a row. But anyway, uh, and they were talking about Reggie Jackson's troubles with Billy Martin and what a pain in the ass Billy Martin was and what Reggie was. And they had a daily New York Daily News headline here. Reggie's suspension five days. Bosses back Martin 100% on the bunt incident where Reggie Jackson didn't know how to bunt. You don't ask Reggie Jackson to bunt. Billy Martin was being a dick and told him to uh, bunt. He tried to bunt, and you could tell it was miserable. So Martin changed his mind and took the bunt sign off. And Reggie thought to himself, screw that guy. And he tried to bunt two more times, and I think he popped it up. Martin was livid. And basically wanted him suspended for the rest of the year. Now, this is 78. They had just won 77 World Series. And we're going to win again there in 78. Uh, Reggie Jackson had hit three home runs in one game. Remember that? The Bob Welch game and all that stuff. So, I was looking at that. And there was the byline underneath. Two writers, Jack Lang and Jack Wilkinson. 
And if you read the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for decades here, Jack uh, covered the Braves and other sporting events, Georgia Tech and stuff like that. Used to talk with Jack all the time at manuals, and you couldn't meet a nicer guy. You talk about the antithesis of what the normal sports writer is, and let's face it, 90% of them are jerks know-it-all, I'm better than all of y'all, I'm a great writer, but I just haven't written the great novel yet, and all this bitterness and everything. Um, he was, just couldn't have been nicer. nicer. And he used to tell stories of growing up in Brooklyn and going to Ebbets Field and everything like that, and just, just great story for it. And he was the nicest New Yorker I have ever met, the nicest, although he did say something stupid once. He and the girl I was dating, who had just moved back from New York, were loudly exclaiming in, in manuals that everybody needed to live in New York City at some point. And I was telling him, you're, you're full of shite. Not everybody needs to live in New York City, but that's just me. Uh, what else? Okay, here's what's going on. I was telling you about the Tua situation and the tweets that came out last night. Brian Finneran is on the radio here in Atlanta, has been for a long time. He's also a former Atlanta Falcon. Sorry, we got a siren going on outside. It sounds like a fire engine. Wow. It's a loud one, too. I'll let it go by for a second here before we start talking again because it's just going to get louder. And hope everybody's okay. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, no, turn it up louder. We didn't get the message. There. Okay. Brian Fennerin tweeted this out. About two, uh, oh, for God's sake. Are they just standing outside now? Enough. Jeez. I really shouldn't say things like that. It's just that, come on, it's like he stopped outside the window. Brian Fennerin tweeted this, Two nasty, blatant concussions for Tua in a five-day span. What a terrible job by NFL, the Dolphins team trainers and coaches and doctors. Disgusting to watch that again. What will they say this week? He hurt his fingers? Awful, awful job by everyone. He will be lucky to play again this year or ever with two of the exact same concussions within five days. I'm sick. Same type of fall, same brain inside his skull, bouncing around violently. Just brutal. Will Kane on Fox. Heads are going to roll on this injury to Tua. No pun intended. Can't believe he was cleared. Can't believe he was on the field. By the way, I was watching that game last night on Amazon. It was in Cincinnati. The game started out, it was in the 60s. At halftime, it was 57 degrees. It did not look windy. They have four people on the set. There's a woman, I don't know her name. Uh, there's a man there, Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's a gentleman to his right that, oh God, I've, now I've gone blank on his. He was part of the Legion of Boom, and I've forgotten his name, I'm sorry. And over on the left is former Falcon and Chief Tony Gonzalez, all right? It's 57 degrees, September. Nobody on that set has a scarf or gloves on except Tony Gonzalez. Weak, weak, Tony. It's fit, it's, this is not Lambeau in December where it's minus 20. It's 57 degrees. Unbelievable. Gloves. Now, here's something. I hope my friend who's a Miami Hurricane fan is not listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, my friend Miller, the great legendary Miller Pope, tweeted this out. It's from No Context College Football. And this was a road sign. Hurricanes rarely do what they're protected, 
projected to. Sometimes they veer left, right, or even go straight. Then sometimes they lose to Middle Tennessee State at home. No comment. Chris Nowinski is a PhD, okay? He's a medical guy. If Tua takes the field tonight, it's a massive step back for concussion care in the NFL. If he has a second concussion that destroys his season or career, everyone involved will be sued and should lose their jobs, coaches included. We all saw it. Even they must know this isn't right. He tweeted that before the game. And when it happened, this is a disaster. Pray for Tua. Fire the medical staffs and coaches. I predicted this and I hate it. I am right. Two concussions in five days can kill someone. This can end careers. How are we so stupid in 2022? We're not stupid. It's the NFL. We saw it and we were lied to about it. Shannon Sharp. But that's a serious injury. Tua shouldn't have been out there with Sunday, Thursday turnaround. Sometimes players need protecting from themselves. Dolphins failed Tua. Shannon also said something else, which I I can't remember exactly what he said. It was basically saying that this was a failure by the NFL. And he got got attacked by the sycophants out there, the ass kissers in the media and not in the media, who they don't care what the NFL does as long as they get those players out there so we can bet on them. And he, they shamed him to the point where he took it down. I wish he hadn't taken it down because I agreed with him 100%. Mm, let's see. Matt Birch put out a little baseball thing. Shohei Otani, who came within four, uh, yeah, four outs of a no-hitter last night, now has 15 wins, a 2.35 earned run average, an 11.91 strikeout and nine-inning ratio, uh, and his 27 pitching starts. The only players all-time to post those numbers are better in one season. Pedro Martinez in 1999, and Randy Johnson in 97. Kelsey Wingert-Lynch, she's been married, so she's hyphenated now, uh, used to be the kind of sideline reporter for the Braves, now works for the Rockies. She tweeted, Miami risked Tua's life tonight for a game makes you sick. Mm. And she's right. Oh, you know what's cool about this time of year? Well, the weather. And in fact, I can hear the geese honking as they fly overboard, as they're going overboard, overhead, as they're flying south. They're not going too far south. I mean, come on. Uh, I've seen geese sitting out in a frozen lake before. But uh, they're heading there, honking, telling everybody, goodbye. See you in a few months. We'll be back in May. Uh, this day in baseball history, September 30th, 19, 1893. On the day he was honored by the Sporting News, yeah, they were around back then, as the most popular baseball player in America, Joe Quinn got eight hits in the National League Browns doubleheader, becoming the first player to get do that. A St. Louis second baseman is a mortician in the offseason. He will help change the name of the Browns to the Cardinals after the 1899 season. Hmm. 1923. Of course, the Browns then became or got a team in the American League. 19, so you can say the Browns are actually the baseball name of St. Louis, not the Cardinals. You can say that. No one will believe you. 1923, it's Zach Wheat Day at Ebbets Field. The retiring Dodgers outfitter got two hits and an automobile. Huh, pretty cool. 1927, at Yankee Stadium on the next to last day of the season, uh, Babe Ruth broke his own 1921 home run record by hitting number 60 off Tom Zachary. Uh, Lands in fair territory and right field. Uh, As a pinch hitter in the ninth inning, a pinch hitter. Future Hall of Fame pitcher Walter Johnson made his last major league appearance. That's ironic as a hitter. 
1934, September 30th. Uh, Babe Ruth played his final game in pinstripes, went 0 for 3, uh, flew out to center field in his last at-bat. The Yankees lose to the Senators at Griffith Stadium. The Braves will acquire the Sultan of Swat in late February, saying he would also be a team vice president and assistant manager to Boston skipper Bill McKechnie. He, the promise was he was supposed to be take over, and they reneged, allegedly. Also the same day in 34, Dizzy Dean became the first pitcher to win 30 games since Jim Bagby did it in 1920 for the Indians. Dizzy did it for the Cardinals. There will be uh, four hurlers in the uh, 20th century to get 30 games. Lefty Grove for the 31 A's. Denny McLean, the 68 Tigers as well. Huh. 1945, Hank Greenberg hit a pennant-winning Grand Slam on the final day of the season. Not just a Grand Slam, he won the pennant with it. Uh, beat the Browns. Clinch the American League flag over the second-place Senators. September 30th, 1951. Knowing the Giants have won their game in Boston, the Dodgers rally from a five-run deficit to beat the Phillies in 14 innings, 9-8, to eight, and force a three-game playoff for the National League pennant. Mm, Jackie Robinson made a game-saving catch in the 13th inning, by the way. Of course, we all know the Giants would later go on to win that playoff series, the shot heard around the world. 1962, the Mets finished their first season with 120 losses, a 20th century record as they lose to the Cubs at Wrigley. In his last career at bat, New York catcher Joe Pignatano hit into an eighth inning triple play <laughs> with Richie Ashburn and Sammy Drake on the bases. Both of those men will also be appearing in their last major league game. How weird is that? You talk about, how'd you do, Daddy? What'd you do in your last at-bat? I don't want to talk about it. I hit into a season-ending triple play and thus ended not only my career but two of my teammates, one of which went into the Hall of Fame. 1966 at Comiskey Park, top of the ninth, Roger Maris, his last at-bat as a Yank, slammed a two-run homer as a pinch hitter, uh, put him ahead of the White Sox. He is contemplating retirement. The former two-time AL MVP is stunned and embarrassed when New York trades him to the Cardinals for utility player Charlie Smith in the offseason. 1967, the Braves of Atlanta fire manager Billy Hitchcock after a 77-82 and finish. Just two years later on the same day, the Braves clinched their first-ever National League West Division title, a 3-2 win over the Reds at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. The Lumen Harris-led club will finish the season three games ahead of the Giants. Uh, and then they got swept. Well, I'm not going to say what happened after that. 1971, Don Mincher became the only player on the roster for both final games in Washington for each team that was known as the Senators. Uh, first baseman will be the only person to play for the original Minnesota Twins in the original Texas Rangers who left the nation's capital in 1960 and 1971, respectively. Don Mincher, also uh, mentioned prominently in Jim Bouton's book, Ball Four. 1972, Pirates outfitter Roberto Clemente doubles off Mets lefty John Matlack to become the 11th major leader to get 3,000 hits. It sadly will be the last hit as he will die in a plane crash on New Year's Eve, uh, leaving... Puerto Rico on a badly loaded plane. The, the weight supposedly shifted and the plane crashed into the ocean. They were taking earthquake relief to Nicaragua. And they never found his body. His uh, friend and catcher, Manny Sanguian, flew down to Puerto Rico, got lessons in scuba diving, and went out looking for the body. That's a friend. 1973, at the close of the season, the AL's new designated hitter rule appears to have worked. 
The batting average of the league increased by 20 points to 259, the highest point since 1956. They out-hit the National League for the first time in a decade. Huh. That's amazing. Uh, September 30th, 1984. On the final day of the season, Mike Witt used only 97 pitches to retire 27 hitters, threw a perfect game against the Rangers, and beat Charlie Huff, the knuckleballer, on an unearned run, 1-0. Man, something must be going on because that's like the third friggin' siren to go by in the last few minutes. Hope everybody's okay. 1988 at Wrigley. President Ronald Reagan threw out two ceremonial first pitches before the Cubs lost to the Pirates. Dutch Reagan, the former play-by-play announcer, then participated in the broadcast with Harry Carey. Uh, 1988, same day, Dave Steeb loses his second straight no-hit bid when Jim Traber singles on a 2-2 count with two outs in the ninth as the Blue Jays beat the Orioles in Toronto. Six days earlier, the 31-year-old righty yielded a ground ball hit up the middle to Indian second baseman Julio Franco with two outs in the ninth as the Tribe got a hit. 1989, ending a 43-year relationship with Major League Baseball, NBC aired its final regular season game of the week. Hell, if you know, you're from my uh, era, you grew up watching that. Sometimes that was the only baseball game you saw all week. In Atlanta, every once in a while, WSB would um, hang up on these suckers. Uh, WSB would do a game every once in a while on television, but most of the time, the game you would saw. You would see before ABC started Monday Night Baseball was uh, the NBC game of the week. And unfortunately, it was usually, uh, if it wasn't Kurt Gowdy, which I loved, uh, it was Joe Gary Giola and that, I think, cardboard cutout of a broadcaster named Tony Kubek. I am the Kubek. I am part of the Borg. Baseball is supposed to be boring and serious. We are not to have fun here. Meanwhile, my co-broadcaster in the booth, Joe Gary Giola. Might as well have a Ronald McDonald outfit on. He is an absolute clown. Sorry. Yes, it, it almost made me turn off baseball. Uh, 1990, in front of 42,000-plus fans, the original Comiskey Park hosted its last game. White Sox edged the Mariners. Uh, the old ballpark, the one-loss record for the White Sox. They had 3,024 wins. 2,926 losses. That was a 508 winning percentage. I would not have guessed that. I would have guessed that they had a losing thing. But anyway, uh, September 30th, 1992. With his fourth hit of the game, a single off Southpaw Tim Fortunio of the uh, Dodgers, George Brett got his 3,000th hit, the 18th player to do it. Uh, his celebration is short-lived when he is picked off first base. <laughs> He, was, he stepped off the base to savor the accomplishment, and Gary Gaetti tagged him. <laughs> what a dick move. Uh, 1998. After doctors remove a tumor, former Royals reliever Dan Quisenberry passes away nine months later of brain cancer. He was just 45. In 1983, Quizzo, known for his outstanding control, he was a submariner, uh, became the first closer to get 40 saves, ended up with 45. That year, 1999, the largest regular season candlestick park crowd of 61,000 plus watched the Giants lose to the Dodgers in their last game there. Former greats uh, Juan Marichal threw out the ceremonial first pitch and uh, Willie Mays threw out the ballpark's final pitch. What a hole that place was. I never saw a baseball game there, but saw plenty of 49ers beating the blank out of the Falcons. And literally, you would stand there and the water from the bay would come in 
and it would be dry when you started the game, and then you'd be sloshing around in puddles on the sidelines by the end of the game because the water had come up. And so you were basically playing in puddles. It's just a horrible ballpark and horrible fans, by the way. 2007, with the help of New York losing six out of the last seven games, all at home, squandering a seven-game lead with 17 to play, the Phillies clinched the NL East title for the first time in 14 years by beating the Nationals. The Mets' colossal failure down the stretch is considered by many to be the worst collapse by a team in baseball history. Let's hope this continues. September 30, 2011, the Red Sox do not pick up their option on Terry Francona's contract. Uh, after eight seasons, he was at the helm for the team's 2004 and 07 World Championships, but they had a historic collapse in September. Hmm. And then they fired him. 2012, the Braves went for the 23rd straight time and a game started by Chris Medlin. Gosh, he was off to such a great start. He was like a, a smaller version of Greg Maddox, and then he got injured. Uh, they beat New York in the regular season home finale at Turner Field 6-2. The 26-year-old right-hander Medlin uh, streak surpassed the major league mark shared by Carl Hubble with the New York Giants from 36-37 to and Whitey Ford of the Yankees from 1950-53. to Finally, on September 30th, 2020, the Twins extend their postseason losing streak to 18 games, the longest in North American professional sports history, when the Astros sweep the best-of-three wildcard series. Minnesota set the mark the day before, surpassing the old Chicago Blackhawks, an NHL team that lost 16 straight playoff games from 1975 to 79. Huh. Thanks to Saturday Down South, ESPN on this day, National Pastime, and Everybody else for helping me out. Hope everybody has a fun weekend. Let me check Twitter, see if anything new on Tua or anything else is going on. Uh, da, 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 da. Get that out of the way. I went to Flounder's house today for the uh, Kimmer show, and Lucas, he's named his cat Lucas. Don't ask why. And Lucas is now outside of the bed and is now looking at me down the hallway when I come over. So every day he gets a little closer and a little closer. Uh, oh, Simpleton says, I'm not the only person that says propane or propane accessories. I'll tell you what, <gasps> Bobby. Uh, he says, no, you're not, Pete. My favorite line is, so, are you Chinese or Japanese? <laughs> Remember, he's asking his neighbor who's Laotian. And he goes through Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, telling about all of them. And says, I am Laotian. And Hank just looks at him and goes, so. Are you Chinese or Japanese? <laughs> All right, what else we got here? Sorry. What do we got here? I'm not seeing it a lot. Not, um, no, not seeing a lot of sports stuff here. People posting things about their dogs. Uh, Let's see. Florida State pulls classy move for fans displaced by Hurricane Ian. I wonder what that is all about. Let's find out. Outkick.com. Let's see. If you want to go to the FSU Wake Forest game, you can get free tickets. Oh, boy. My home's destroyed. I can't find my dog. But, hey, I can go see a Wake Forest FSU game this weekend. I know. They're trying. They're trying to be nice. Uh, Well... Uh, Blake Griffin, free agent, has signed a one-year deal with the Celtics, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Wojnarowski. You know, notice how that 
Ime Odoku thing or whatever his name is up in Boston. That, that whole thing is kind of simmered down. Don't hear anything about that. Huh. That's kind of weird. I got no problem. A lot of people are bitching. Take a sip here. Hold on a second. That ESPN and others are breaking in, splitting the screen, whatever, when Aaron Judge comes up to bat, even during football games. I got no problem with that. I don't want him to totally take over the whole screen, but I have no problem with the sharing a screen. It's a historic thing. He's a true home run champion if he does it, unlike the cheaters, and I have no problem with him doing it. I don't know why people are upset about that. It's no big deal. It's sports. Damn it, it's history. All right, let's go to – oh, wait a minute. What was that last thing here? say? Whatever. Uh, one thing – I'll say this about the Mets – I didn't know this. They were talking about this. Uh, Chris Domino pointed this out. They were talking to Billy Ripken. Did you know that Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom only have 16 wins between them combined? So that just means that the other Mets starters and Buck Showalter has done a hell of a job with that team. Who They can, they can get to 100 wins this year. That's, that's a hell of a job, I got to tell you. I think Showalter is manager of the year in the National League. But I'm sure somebody will come up with something else. Uh, let's go to ESPN. Check out a headline. Then I'll let you go. Uh, I shouldn't have eaten that biscuit. Uh, that biscuit's like two days old. Uh, Tua supposedly in good spirits. He's uh, back home in South Florida. I hope everything's fine with him. Uh, Dalvin Cook will not play for the Vikings in London against the Saints. That's not good. Uh, Miles Garrett says he wants to play if he's cleared by doctors. And that seems to be it. All right. Everybody have a great weekend. Go Braves. Hotty toddy. Go, go Rebels. I think Kentucky is going to win that. I think they're a more solid team. But we'll, you know, we'll see. And uh, everybody just stay safe and be cool. Uh, more thoughts and prayers for the Hurricane Ian victims. And <sighs> drink up Shriners. <laughs>